Medical inductions occur for a variety of reasons and are often really unique to your own situation. What's safe and recommended for you might not be necessarily safe for another person who's at the exact same point of her pregnancy. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we're going to dive into the topic of medical induction of labor. I'm going to talk all about the reasons you might be induced and the various induction methods your provider may use. But before we get into it, I want to quickly review what an induction is, just in case you're not quite sure. An induction of labor is exactly what it sounds like. You aren't in labor yet, so we put you into labor or we attempt to put you into labor. You see, there comes a point in pregnancy where the risk of continuing the pregnancy is actually greater than the benefits of keeping baby inside. And that point can be different for different mamas. Keep listening to learn more about why you might need one. One in three moms actually do here in the U.S. and how we might do it. Then if you want to keep learning about inductions here on the MLN podcast, go check out episode 72 called Help, What is an Induction? And episode 36, where you'll hear a positive induction birth story from a fellow mom. But for now, let's get into this week's episode. All right, so before we get more into labor induction, I want to address labor augmentation really quick because a lot of people don't really understand the difference between labor augmentation and labor induction. So augmentation of labor is done when you're already in labor, but things stop progressing. Basically, we attempt to jumpstart things to really get them going. Let's say you are in labor and then something happens that causes your contractions to either stall or space out. A lot of times we see this happen with moms who are in good, hard labor and then they get to the hospital and for some reason their contractions slow down. Sometimes we see this after epidurals and sometimes baby's just not quite in a good position to keep those contractions going. So there's definitely some times when this can happen. So if this does happen, your cervix will stop dilating. And if you stall out for too long, sometimes a C-section can be necessary. But before we turn to a C-section, we can use similar methods that we use to induce your labor to augment your labor. AKA get it going again. All right. So why do we even induce labor? What are some of the reasons? So the truth is there are tons of reasons why you might need an induction. Medical inductions occur for a variety of reasons and are often really unique to your own situation. What's safe and recommended for you might not be necessarily safe for another person who's at the exact same point of her pregnancy. 
But let's take a look at some of the more common reasons for being induced. So I would say the most common reason is you are overdue. Most practices consider this to be past 41 weeks, but some wait even longer, up to 42 weeks. Another common one is if you have gestational hypertension, and this is basically when you have high blood pressure during your pregnancy. This is kind of a precursor to the next one, preeclampsia, and this is when your pregnancy complication of having gestational hypertension, when you have high blood pressure, um, it gets kind of severe and you start to have other signs of organ damage, which is not fun. We don't want that. Another reason is gestational diabetes. So not everyone with gestational diabetes will need to be induced or even really needs to be induced. It really has to do with how well your blood sugars were being controlled during your pregnancy. But that's definitely another big one that I would say moms come in and, you know, have inductions for. Another reason is growth issues. So IUGR or macrosomia, IUGR is intrauterine growth restriction. So baby is just growing a little bit too small. And then macrosomia is a baby that's much bigger than expected for gestational age. But usually with our IUGR babies or even our macrosomia babies, they are measuring big or small for a good bit of your pregnancy. It's not like, oh, you had an ultrasound at 36 weeks and looks like baby's in the 99th percentile or whatever. Or vice versa, you have one ultrasound and baby's measuring really small. Are you in search of the perfect pump for your breastfeeding days? Proven to provide more milk in less time, the Motif Luna is a powerful breast pump that's built for modern motherhood and covered by insurance. With a battery-powered or non-battery version, the Luna is perfect for today's busy mom. The Motif Luna breast pump is lightweight and sleek, quiet and customizable, so you can quickly find what works best for you and your baby. The Luna also features a backlit LCD screen, built-in nightlight, closed system, quiet motor, and auto shutoff. And the battery-powered model gives you even more freedom and flexibility with a rechargeable battery that lasts over two hours. But beyond the features and ease of use, the Luna works. In a third-party study, five out of six moms reported more milk and less time than the leading pump brands. As a pumping mama, I personally used and loved my Luda pump. The expression mode works to express milk as efficiently as possible, while the massage mode would stimulate my letdown by mimicking my baby's natural nursing pattern. Sophisticated, strong, and soothing, covered by insurance, get ready to make your pumping days easier with the Motif Luna. To learn more about the Luna and order one for your breastfeeding and pumping journey, head on over to MotifMedical.com. And as a special offer for all MLN podcast listeners, you can get 15% off site-wide, including the Luna plus all supplies and accessories with the code MLN23. Some exclusions may apply. That's code MLN23 for 15% off site-wide at MotifMedical.com. Another common reason is something called PPROM, so prolonged premature rupture of membranes, and this means that you broke your water early in your pregnancy. In this case, induction is usually recommended around 34 to 35 weeks, unless for some reason a medical condition warrants earlier induction. So that kind of means if you broke your water and really nothing else caused it, 
and nothing else arises, you don't get an infection or anything or your blood pressures are under control, you can usually wait until 34 to 35 weeks. But for some reason, if there's something else going on, we may have to induce you or possibly have a C-section earlier than that. Another reason is having a history of third trimester stillbirth. This is usually offered as sort of an elective induction because it has been shown to reduce the risk of a subsequent stillbirth. Another one is something called cholestasis, and this is a liver condition that can occur in the third trimester. The most common symptom is extreme, extreme itching in your hands and in your feet. So this is your friendly PSA if you're listening to this right now and you're like, wait a second, my hands and my feet or just my whole body has been so itchy. Wait, wait a second, what? Yeah, so that can signify something called cholestasis. So if you're having extreme itching, especially on your feet or on your hands, definitely go tell your provider about it because there are just some quick and easy lab draws that we can do to check your liver enzymes and let you know like, hey, okay, this is cholestasis or this isn't cholestasis. Usually our cholestasis moms get induced at 37 weeks and that is because after 37 weeks, your rate of stillbirth does go up. And then the last one is called oligohydramnios or polyhydramnios. We usually call it oligo or poly because those are kind of long words. (laughs) But these are conditions that have to do with the amount of amniotic fluid surrounding babies. So oligo means there's not enough. Poly means there's too much. And then I said that was the last one, but really this is the last one. Really any other medical condition that puts you or your baby at risk to continue your pregnancy safely. All right, so let's move on to elective inductions. So an elective induction means that you choose to have an induction and there really is no medical indication behind the induction. Some providers offer elective induction at 39 weeks of pregnancy and beyond. And really the decision to electively induce is very personal. And remember that in many cases, it's safer to let your body go into labor spontaneously if possible. However, there are some instances where elective induction is totally a safer and better option for you. This is a topic that I go over much more in depth inside of both of my birth classes, Birth It Up the Natural series and Birth It Up the Epidural series. Just as a side note there, both of those online birth classes do have a bonus lesson all about medical inductions of labor. So what are some of the medications that we use to induce your labor? So there are a couple different medications that your provider can use. These are usually used at the beginning of your labor induction, at least the majority of them. And most of them are inserted vaginally and they work to prep your cervix. And then the exception to this is ibuprofen. So these first medications that help you prep your cervix really are meant to help your cervix relax. Okay, chill out (laughs) so you can open up more easily. They're meant to soften it up, get it nice and ready for those hard contractions to come. 
All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, hi, Liesl, happy new year. I gave birth on Christmas Eve after taking your Birth It Up epidural course and wanted to write to say a sincere thank you. I've been able to walk away from my first birth feeling really proud of myself and satisfied that I knew what was happening and why 99% of the time. That is why I'm making these birth courses, guys. I love that. The information from your course was wonderful, unbiased, and absolutely impacted my birth experience. I had a rupture of membranes at 33 weeks and held on until 35 weeks before going into spontaneous labor in the hospital. Wow. I made it to eight centimeters before getting the epidural, which was amazing, and successfully gave birth vaginally as I had hoped. Baby and I are both healthy and doing well. Thanks so much for everything you are doing. Oh. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. The most common intravaginal medications are Cervidil, Cytotec, and Laminaria. And then Pitocin is another method, like I said, that induces or it augments labor. We use Pitocin as an augmentation method as well but it's given through your IV instead of vaginally. And these are all basically a synthetic version of oxytocin, prostaglandins. Pitocin is oxytocin, and then the other ones are prostaglandins. All right, so let's break a few of these down. So Cervidil is the first one that I said. Cervidil is a prostaglandin that is inserted vaginally, helps to relax and soften your cervix prior to your induction. And Cervidil is basically like a big old Q-tip, okay? And it just gets placed into your vagina up near your cervix. It just kind of sits there and does its magic little job. And while it's in there, prostaglandins will slowly be released, which encourages the softening of your cervix. It's usually kept in for 12 to 24 hours, and you might experience some mild contractions while it's in place. The next one that I said is Cytotec. And that is another prostaglandin that is inserted vaginally, or sometimes we even have moms take it orally to help get your cervix nice and ripe in order to kickstart labor. And Cytotec is a pill, but it pretty much does the same thing as Cervidil, really preps that cervix. I have seen moms who take Cytotec go into spontaneous labor by themselves. And that goes for any of these ones that I'm talking about. Sometimes we have moms come in and they get a just a side attack or they get Cervidil and then they don't even need Pitocin. They just start having contractions on their own. But really, these medications that I'm talking about are really more meant for the prepping, like kind of the beginning part. This next one that I talked about is called Laminaria, and that is actually derived from seaweed and it contains thyroid hormones. That's crazy. (laughs) We don't use it very often. I don't use it at my hospital, but it kind of does the same thing as the other two. All right. And then let's move on to the last medication. And the last one is not for prepping, but it is Pitocin. It goes through your IV and it is by far the most common labor induction method. It is the man-made form of the same hormone that your body naturally produces when you are in labor, oxytocin. And by giving you Pitocin synthetically, we are kind of attempting to tell your body like, hey, hello, you are in labor. Let's get going. 
ultimately with Pitocin, the goal is to get you contracting every two to three minutes with nice, strong contractions that are effectively dilating your cervix. The catch is that we don't want your contractions to be too close together, though. It's very important that your uterus can adequately relax in between your contractions because that can sometimes stress out your baby. And if your uterus isn't relaxing in between those contractions, you do run a risk of having a uterine rupture. But that is super rare. But just FYI, that's kind of why we want things to relax in between. We don't want your uterus working too, too hard because it can work too hard for itself and it can stress out your baby. So Pitocin is given IV and it's really great because at any point during your induction, your nurse, me, I can just go over there on your IV and turn it off entirely. For some reason, if your contractions are too close together, your baby's getting stressed out. Sometimes we'll just turn it down too, but it's very easy to just manipulate. All right. So moving on, another method of induction that is not a medication, but it works similarly to some of those medications that I just talked about is a Foley bulb or a Cook catheter. You might have heard of this and you might have not heard good things about it because a lot of people really don't like them. It's basically a catheter that is manually inserted inside your cervix to mechanically dilate your cervix. And then in addition to mechanically dilating your cervix, Foley bulbs and Cook catheters provoke your body to also release prostaglandins around your cervix. They work really, really great. They get a bad rap, but they do work really great if they are used properly and, of course, in the right circumstances. And usually Foley bulbs, like those medications that I talked about, Cytotec, Cervidil, Laminaria, they aren't meant to do the job on their own. But like I said, even with Foley bulbs, I've seen moms come in, have a Foley bulb place and just start contracting on their own and not need any Pitocin. But I would say 95% of the time you get a Foley bulb placed in addition to getting Pitocin. So what exactly is even a Foley bulb? So it's basically like a long, flexible catheter. It's about the thickness of a McDonald's straw. I feel like everyone knows <laughs> how thick a McDonald's straw is. You know how they're like just a little thicker than like your normal straws that you buy at the grocery store. And it's nice and bendy. It's not like hard or anything. It's like made out of rubber, made out of latex. And it's got an opening on each end. Okay, one end can hook up to a little syringe. And then the other end is a little balloon type mechanism that can be filled with fluid. So basically what I do is I hook up this syringe to the one end and I push water into it and it blows up a little balloon on the other end and that balloon sits inside your cervix and it starts to soften and dilate your cervix manually. And then a Cook catheter is very similar to a Foley bulb, but it just has two balloons, okay? The first balloon kind of sits on the uterine side of your cervix, okay? So, like, imagine your cervix, like, make a fist right now. There's kind of two sides of your cervix. One of them is your uterine side and, like, where baby's head was sitting on it. And then the other end is in your vagina, like, at the end of your vagina. So, one of the balloons kind of sits on the uterine side, and then one of the balloons kind of sits on that vaginal side. 
So how do we get it up in there? First of all, no needles, promise. No needles are gonna go inside you, okay? I do use a needle to draw up the fluid that is needed to inflate the balloon. And sometimes I'll be doing that over in the corner and I'll look over and mom is like bug-eyed. And I'll be like, no, 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 I'm not putting this inside you. It's just for the water. Are feelings of anxiety and what-ifs filling your head when you think about giving birth? Take a deep breath with me, grab my hand, and join me for a totally free class to start gaining the confidence that you deserve. Gain instant access to my free on-demand workshop, Three Secrets to an Even Better Birth at mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. Inside of this 45-minute go-at-your-own-pace video class, you'll discover the three elements of birth preparation that pack the most punch, learn strategies you can use in preparation for birth and during labor, walk away with tons of actionable tips that you and your partner can start practicing right away, and so much more. Sign up for free right now at mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. That's mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. Can't wait to see you in there. So basically what happens is your provider will lay on your back with your feet together and your knees relaxed down to your side, kind of like a butterfly or froggy position. Some providers put you in stirrups like you would be, you know, during a pap smear or vaginal exam. And they either use their hands or they use a speculum to place the Foley bulb in. A speculum allows them to kind of see the process a little bit better and using your hands kind of allows them to feel the process easier. It's just kind of what the provider prefers and obviously what you prefer as well. So once the Foley bulb is ready, it is moved through your cervix. And this obviously can be a bit uncomfortable. You usually feel a lot of cramping and you might even have some contractions after the procedure. And once the Foley bulb, it's not inflated yet, but once the catheter is through your cervix, then I take my syringe, like I said, and I hook it up and I start to fill the bulb or the two bulbs on the cook catheter with water until your provider says, okay, that's enough. And then once it fills up, if you tug on it, it's not going anywhere because it's a big old kind of stopper balloon (laughs) up in there. So it usually sits in your cervix wide range. Okay. Some moms, we put them in there and they stay in for like 30 minutes and then they come out and they are just contracting and they're ready to go for Pitocin. And then other moms, it takes a really long time. It can take up to like 12 hours. But it really depends on you and how dilated you were to begin with when you came into the hospital. And, you know, if you have any contractions while the Foley bulb is in, if you were having any contractions before you came to the hospital, it's really, really user dependent. (laughs) Typically, though, if you're having your first baby and your cervix is one centimeter dilated or less, your Foley bulb will stay in overnight to prep your cervix for labor and have Pitocin in the morning. Though, let's say you are a first time mom and you have a cervical check in the office and you're like two or three centimeters dilated and your cervix is nice and thin, you don't need a Foley bulb. You can just come in for a Pitocin induction. But I would say the majority of our moms who get Foley bulbs are first time moms. All right, now let's move on to something called AROM, A-R-O-M, artificial rupture of membranes, aka breaking your water. 
And another thing I must add, you probably already realize this, but during your labor induction, you might have several different methods used. You might start out with Pitocin and then your provider breaks your water later. You might start out with a Foley bulb and then you get Pitocin and then you have your broader broken labor. Totally common to have like a few of these methods. So ARAM is a form of induction. Some providers use it first. If your baby is nice and low and your cervix is prepped a little bit, sometimes you'll come into the hospital and they won't even start with Pitocin. They'll just be able to break your water. But at my hospital where I work at, we usually don't do that. Usually if we're going to break your water, we're going to use it in conjunction with Pitocin. This is usually in my experience when it works the best, but breaking your water does release some of those same prostaglandins. So the thought behind breaking your water first is that it can kind of stimulate the process by itself. ARAM also is a good method of induction because it takes away a little bit of space that is in between your baby's head and your cervix. Okay. So if you think about your bag of water, when your provider breaks your bag of water, they're breaking that little kind of space that's in between baby's head and your cervix and your baby's head usually comes down and puts a little bit more pressure on your cervix, which can help to dilate and soften it right up. So that's why some providers do use it first, because it releases those prostaglandins, but it also puts a little bit more pressure on your cervix. And that is a labor induction. Those are the methods that we use to induce your labor. And then after we get you into labor, it's very similar to if you had come in and you were having contractions on your own. We have to monitor you a little bit closer, but there's nothing really much else that's super special after we use all these things to get you into labor. Hopefully this little overview, this episode about induction methods helps you to better understand what might happen if you have an induction on the horizon. Also know that our online birth classes do take the place of your traditional hospital birth class. Plus they also include a full blown bonus lesson all about planned inductions, caring for your newborn, partner support, and so much more. I have so many moms who take my birth classes and they go on to get induced and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we had that huge lesson in there all about induction because I knew exactly what to expect. Next week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we are going to be talking about epidurals and I'm going to talk about walking epidurals. I'm going to answer some questions about epidurals. So if you are interested in epidurals, be sure to stay tuned to that episode. All right. I'll see you guys next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth no matter how you deliver.